you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. not here. It's in that which is to come. Maybe we ought to just reach back and grab an old heaven song and sing about it this morning. Growing up, we used to sing about heaven every service. Somebody said it was escapism. I don't think it was escapism. It was a hope for something better than what we have down here. Oh, somebody ought to put your hands together and give God praise this morning. Oh, won't it be wonderful there, having no burdens to bear. And won't it be wonderful there, say, Better go up a key, Cheryl. Oh, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Oh, when we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory. Come on, sing when we all. What a day of rejoicing that will be. 
Matthew chapter 24, if you have your Bibles, and while you're turning there, let me mention this morning that if you were not here last week and were unable to make a commitment to our Impact Vision Initiative, but you would like to be part, if you were not here on our Vision Sunday when we handed out all of our brochures that revealed the vision of what we are doing and what the financial portion of this initiative is about. They are available at the giving kiosk in the back. And then last Sunday, there was a threefold tri, uh, trifold that, uh, threefold trifold, you get that, that we passed out. And the bottom of that is a tear off. And you can fill that out and hand it to one of our ushers or give it to Sister Cheryl Lytle after service, and she will be glad to include that with our total. We had a $300,000 total over the next uh, three years, two years, and we are very, very close to reaching that goal. And I believe by the time everybody participates, we're going to be there. Amen. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 3. And as he sat up on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, 
and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Probably not a day in time in history that Verse number 14 is being fulfilled like it is now. The gospel is being preached all around the world. We have people, Brother Chad Marshall is on a crusade team even this week traveling. Brother Danny Lytle is getting ready to leave here in just a couple of weeks to go with a crusade trip traveling, taking the gospel message. People, the, the, the means and the opportunities are more present now than ever before and this is the final this is the final thing in the lineup of the coming of the Lord I'm going to tell you this morning it's more than just because I heard the news report early yesterday morning but I believe that the end is near and it's time for the church to get ready and get their eyes on the city because Jesus is coming for his bride. And I want to be ready. How about you? Oh, if you're not ready, you need to get ready this morning. We need to tell everybody, everywhere, you need to come on and get ready. We're going to pray differently this morning for this message because we haven't done this in the service. We reserve this for this moment. The Bible tells us to pray for Israel. And with what is happening in Israel and what has happened over the last 30 hours or so. I recognize more than ever before that we need to pray for the peace of Israel. It's what the Bible tells us that we need to do. Israel hasn't been in declared war in 50 years, and I'm not going to get into all the significance of what some of these things could mean prophetically. But 50 years is very important. The number is very important. They haven't declared war in 50 years, but yesterday they declared war after the attack that came upon them. There are so many signs, and I haven't talked to anybody to give me any insight beyond what I have, but I don't think you have to be a great prophecy scholar to look up and know that our redemption draweth nigh. To know the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is very, very near. We're going to pray this morning. We're going to pray for the anointing of the Lord to rest on this message. And that what I preach this morning will do more than just impact this moment, but that it will impact this moment and that it will ignite a fire that is going to spread through this region of north central Indiana and souls are going to be drawn into the kingdom of God. For when this gospel message is preached, it's going to draw men. It's going to draw men and we're going to pray for the peace of Israel. Join with somebody next to you. And let's pray right now. Father, we come before you praying the peace of Israel as you have commanded us to do. 
Lord, not because we, Lord, fear for the American lives that are there, but because your word declares, Lord, not because we fear for our own life, but God, because we recognize in your great timetable that your coming is very near. Lord, I pray today that you would send peace in Israel. God, that you would protect, Lord, those whom you deem to protect. Lord, that you would draw men unto repentance. That you would call people to the foot of the cross and call people to salvation. Lord, I'm praying for reports of miracles that are going to come. Lord, there's going to be salvation that's going to come from this message this morning. Lord, people that have not been interested are going to take a turn. And God, they're going to become interested in what you are doing in this final hour. And Lord, everything else is going to matter very little because your kingdom is going to come to this earth. And Lord, I'm praying your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, somebody put your hands together and give the Lord a shout of praise today. Oh, we bless your name. We bless your name. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 24 and the sixth verse. I will take my title this morning as I felt that the Lord perhaps spoke to me yesterday evening as I said it in my study preparing for this morning and I was just in a moment of prayer and I asked the Lord I need direction specific direction for the service this morning and the Lord just impressed hard upon me tell the people to not be troubled tell the people to look up for their redemption drawing and if I, it's a simple message that I'm bringing to you this morning, but I want to tell you, don't allow your heart to be troubled. Because what is happening in the world is, is uh, troublesome. And for those that are not saved, I believe it is uh, even more so troublesome. But for the saved church, we have nothing to fear. As one famous president of the United States once said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And I come to you today to tell you that perfect love casteth out all fear. In Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the sign of his return, his second coming. And what it's going to be like in the last days. Certainly the events surrounding the end time, even for the believer, give pause for maybe at least a little worry and concern. The abomination of desolation or what is referred to in scripture as the great tribulation that is going to come. Uh, I, I'm not here this morning to frighten anybody or to scare anybody, but I am here this morning to preach what I believe the Lord has put on my heart. Bishop Price told me many years ago, he said, Brother Jordan, you should study prophecy with your Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other hand. 
I don't read a physical newspaper, but I have a tablet, an iPhone, and a laptop in case one breaks, I've got another source. And I follow the news very quickly. Every time something happens, it seems we receive reports, some accurate and some inaccurate. This morning, the latest report that I had from Israel is that about 600 lives have been lost in the first few hours. Many innocent lives, innocent, innocent citizens being targeted by a barrage of militants. This isn't a political speech this morning, but I do know and see that behind the scenes there's a lot of support and things that have lined up to this moment. There is an increased amount of intelligence to people that should not have access to intelligence. There are financial supporters behind the scenes that money is being used to turn around and, and do evil with. We do live in a day that I think we must be very careful who we trust. I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get. Uh, I'm not going to get the authorities called in or get kicked off of Facebook this morning. So I'm going to be very careful with my words. But I pray that the Lord gives you the spirit of discernment today, and you pick up what I am saying and preaching about the heart of the matter today. There's a lot not being said that may be happening behind the scenes. The Bible gives us some clear signposts of things that are going to happen for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in very strange places. All these, the scripture says, are just the beginning of sorrows. And then goes on to talk about the attack. I believe that is more than just the nation of Israel, but spiritual Israel, the church, if you please, that will deal with afflictions and, and will deal with offense and will deal with control factors to attempt to silence the voice of righteousness in this present world. Many false prophets, the scripture says, will rise and are rising, and if we are not careful, we will fall for false prophets. Here is why, because we are prone to desire to see the supernatural without paying the price of the supernatural. And so therefore, when someone comes, if we lack discernment, we will so easily fall by the wayside and we will be we will succumb to the, uh, to the to the falsities of doctrines that are not biblically based. We will turn to to fables. We will turn to Facebook. We will turn to uh, all sorts of social media, and we will find means that appear to be somewhat right, and maybe even appear to be righteous, but may not be biblical. Hear me this morning. We need to be very careful what we are sharing, what we are promoting, what we are pushing out, how involved we get into politics.
politics and all of the above. This is not a political speech this morning, but I'm coming to remind the church today that our kingdom is not the kingdom of this world. God's kingdom is not the kingdom of this world, but we born again, apostolic, saved, washed in the blood of Jesus, must be careful to not get caught up in everything that is happening in this present world. For the Bible tells us love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But we need to get our eyes on the kingdom of heaven. Get our eyes on the kingdom of God. Get our focus. Listen, politics is not going to fix what is wrong in this world. But there is a king that is about to step foot forward. Listen, we know him and know him by his name. There is a king and his name is Jesus. Jesus, and he is still the answer. In the middle of all that is happening, the scripture tells us to see that ye be not troubled. That's a tall order. Many times in scripture, the Lord gives us tall orders and tells us to do things that seemingly may be quite difficult usually because there are underlying things that are involved. Now I'm going to try to unfold that fear that causes us to to live in trouble here in just a little while. The Bible tells us, see that you be not troubled in the middle of wars and rumors of wars and nations rising against nations, famines, pestilence, disease, earthquakes. Be not troubled. This is troubling in of itself. How can one possibly look at the reality of life and yet not be troubled? Listen, there's no need to worry. There's no need to be distressed or to live disturbed. What we need to do is understand what the scripture tells us to do. And that is for us to lift up our head. Don't don't live in the mully grubs. Don't walk around down in the dumps. This world is not going to get better. You and I may have some great days here and there. We, we had a wonderful day last Sunday as my first grandchild, first grandbaby, Sadie Lane, was brought into this world. And oh, what joy filled our souls. But listen, she's brought into a sin-sick world. It is a troublesome world and here we look around and I thought last night oh I'm so thankful that I'm not trying to raise my own children in this day and age in which we live but I will tell you as a grandfather and I know the the other side of the family feels the same way that I do I'm not going to sit idly by and allow the world to take its toll on my children or my grandchildren because I'm going to pray a hedge about her. I'm going to preach righteousness if it's the last thing that I can do. I'm going to do everything I can because righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach for any people, the Scripture says. We'd like to think that if we could live in a world where There's no trouble, no difficulty, no conflicts, no adverse circumstances, no worrisome situations, no illness, no pain, no death. Then maybe 
we've never experienced trials and sorrows. But that's simply not the case. Because we live in a fallen, broken, sin-sick world, often, often, it seems like as soon as we get through one thing, there is something else coming along. There are things that we push beyond and then once again are met with something else. It is sickness. It is financial pressure. It is overwhelming odds. It is family issues. It is trouble on every hand. It is relationship issues. Listen, problems happen to everybody. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. Let me, let me just break this down for you. Bad things happen to everybody. Being saved doesn't exempt you from the troubles of life. Bad things seem to invade our lives. And at times we do seem to struggle to find peace in the midst of it all. But I want to remind you of the words of Jesus Christ when he said, my peace, everybody say my peace. That's Jesus talking. He said, my peace I leave with you. Not a peace that the world giveth. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John chapter 14 these things I have spoken in the 16th chapter. He said, these things I have spoken unto you that you might have peace. Everybody say peace. In this world you shall have tribulation. Watch that word. But be of good cheer because I, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Let me help you with what is going on in Scripture here. This is, the Lord tells us that this is, this is a web or a thread through Scripture that is all speaking the same thing in a little different way. The Scripture is telling us that tribulation is going to come and trials are going to come and tests are going to come. And as we approach the end time, it's going to be more and more and more and more. And the Lord is telling us, but don't, don't allow it to rob your life of peace. Oh, I feel like ministering to somebody today because every one of us go through trials and trouble. But we must be careful to not allow our trouble to rob us of peace. This is not something that the Lord does for us. This is something we must do for ourselves. Everybody say myself. That is that I have to make a choice not to dwell on things that are going to rob me of my peace. And if I will do my part of not dwelling on things that rob me of my peace, and I will go to the Lord in prayer. I spoke to somebody yesterday and told them, what you need to do is go to God in prayer. You can't get counsel enough. You can't talk through it enough. We must go to God in prayer because the Lord tells us that He has a peace that He will give us. Mm -hmm. But if we fill our hearts, our minds, and our thoughts with all sorts of things that are peace robbers, peace stealers, that take our peace from us. We have to find a way to not allow our life.
life to be filled with conflict, with worry, with fear, and with despair. We've got to find whatever we have to do to make some room because when we make room, the Lord said, I have something to fill that void. See, some people want to talk about the problem and talk about the problem. There's nothing wrong. That can be part of the healing process. We talk about the issue. We talk about the problem. But there is a point that we need to talk through it, pray through it, pray it out of our lives, out of our system, out of our vocabulary, and say, okay, God, I've repented, I have forgiven, I have gotten this out of me, I am now open, and I'm asking you for the peace that you give me to flood my soul. And oh, what joy will flood your soul when you rid yourself of fear, worry, anger, doubt, unbelief, and Ask the Lord who is the giver of peace and he will give you peace that passes all understanding. Does this make sense? Paul writes to the church and he says it is a peace, God's peace, that passes all understanding, meaning it doesn't even I was talking to somebody this week, and here's what they said. said something happened in their life. And they said, I thought I would be angry. I thought I would be frustrated. I thought I would be mad. I thought I would respond differently than what I'm responding. But he said, there is a peace that has come over me that I cannot explain. And I had to interrupt just for a moment. And say, listen, listen, listen. Don't ever allow the enemy to tell you that what you just said is not true. Because God, Paul says, the Lord will give us a peace that defies knowledge. It passes all understanding. Meaning the day that I should be the most angry over something that happens, I walk in without anger because I've already worked through it and got the anger out of me and forgiven it. And I am moving forward and I am walking in a peace and everybody's going, oh, you should, it should be terrible. Listen, I've been with some of you and stood by coffins of loved ones that have passed on to watch you walk in the house of God the same day or the day after and worship God like everything is right in your life. That only happens when you have received a peace that passes and defies all understanding. We know that pain is inevitable, but we also know that everything is going to be all right. Isaiah wrote, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Uzziah was a real king, all the above, but there's typology all through the book of Isaiah. I believe that the king, Isaiah, high, exalted, and lifted up. There's a lot of things that I don't have time to get into about about, uh, about uh, King Uzziah. But when King Uzziah died, he was a he was a large figure. He was he was lived in Isaiah's day, a large figure. He was one that would have uh, would would have potentially gotten between Isaiah and his victory. Listen, once King Uzziah died, he said, "I saw the Lord high and lifted up." Listen, there are some things in our lives 
that we need to allow to die. Because the moment that there are that those things that have been haunting us, that have been frustrating us, there are some relationships that you have tried to hold on to, that God's been trying to remove out of your life, and you are trying to hold on to it, you need to let that go because you will never see the Lord high and lifted up until that thing is gone out of your life. There are some things you've been pursuing after. There may be some career opportunities. There may be some things that you want to do, some places you want to go, but the Lord is trying to get through to somebody. Listen, I'm not even in my notes right now, but I came to minister to somebody and tell you that there are some folks and you need to put it down and cast it down and allow that thing to die so that you can clearly see the will of God in your life and see Him high and lifted up. I don't know everybody I'm ministering to right now, but I'm walking in the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody, I, I know you're not shouting and jumping right now, but the Holy Ghost is doing surgery on somebody's heart right now because the Lord is trying to get through. There's some things you've been holding on to that the Lord is saying, put them down, cast them down, throw them down, and allow me to be high and exalted and lifted up in your life. going to be all right. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Psalm 27 verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Listen, one in every five things he said was urging, was urging his followers to refuse fear, worry, unbelief. Fear will destroy you. He says, be not afraid. Be of good cheer. Be not troubled. Won't you just say that out loud with me? Be not troubled. Come on, say it like you mean it. Be not troubled. Maybe you need to say it to yourself. Hey, self, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. It was Jesus Christ's most common command, fear not. This is serious business with the Lord because the one statement that he made more than any other statement was be not afraid. He didn't say try not to be afraid. He gave clear commandment, be not afraid. This is not optional. This is a commandment that I give you, be not afraid. I have not given you the spirit of fear, but I've given you the spirit of what? Of peace and of love and of a sound mind. God hates fear because fear robs us of peace. Fear robs us of contentment. Fear robs us of our future. Fear affects the kingdom of God because it causes us to cease trusting God for our daily bread. Listen, i got to be real with you. I'm a planner. I, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an over-organizer. I, I am a planner. If you saw my calendar, it would drive you nuts, details of my life. Uh, it also kind of serves as, as uh, my, my life history. If somebody needs to know when I met with somebody or what, when something transpired or happened, I can go back in my calendar. It's, it's kind of how I keep records of, of what I do. But then as I project forward, I'm a planner. I look into the future. I plan 
the future. That uh, doesn't necessarily always uh, uh, bode well with my wife. She is she is a little more spontaneous, a lot more spontaneous than I am. But I'm working trying to win her over to the winning side. It's not working. Thirty four years, it's still not working. But we're working on it. And she she just has all kind of joy when she when she comes in and she says, "Listen, this is what I planned." And I I, I we we kind of laugh about it. I, I wouldn't change her. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted to be her, but it's me. It's how I operate. It's how that I find. It's how that I find peace. It's by planning and and knowing. It connected with that is a lot of issues that I have to walk very carefully with because if those things get out of sorts and I lose control, everybody say control, and I lose control of my life, sometimes it throws me out of balance because I, I need to know because I my, my life moves pretty swiftly and I, I'm involved in a lot of different things and so the only way I can do that is to organize and plan and to know uh, what's happening and, and to move, but what what that that personality of mine and that the way of, of, of facing life and the future, what can often happen is that as soon as something gets out of sorts, it is fear that immediately, oh no, I'm getting out of control. Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing my, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to function if, if I don't know. This is what the Lord begins to tell us. Take no thought of what you're going to eat tomorrow. Because he deals with some things. And the whole reason is, is because some of my personality is deal is 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 wrapped in in the dilemma of of if if I'm not real careful, I can allow fear to step up very quickly because things are not going the route or the path or the speed or the timing in which that I'm comfortable with. And so therefore getting to know myself better and understanding, uh, being more self-aware. I'm, I'm learning how to navigate life better all the time. But in the middle of all of it, I'm, I'm in the Word of God and seeing the Lord says, you need to trust me more. That's right, your pastor, me. Sometimes when God speaks to me, it's not about you. Most of the time, it's about me. He's telling me what I need to fix, what I need to change, what I need to do. Anybody, can I get a witness in this room? See, God works on me before he works on you through me. And so he's always working on me and he's helping me understand my path and, and what I'm doing. Because if we're not careful, every one of us are prone to allow fear to rise in our lives. Some people respond to fear by flight. Some people respond to fear by freezing. Some people get angry. Some people get mouthy. Some people, some people get busy. All sorts of things, but it's all rooted in fear and how we respond to fear. This morning, if we accomplish nothing else, when we look at the world and we see the news reports and we know what is happening, you need to know one thing. I can pray about it, and I'm not going to affect much else, but it's not going to affect me. Me. Perfect love casteth out all fear. I'm trying to help somebody this morning that God is wanting to get fear out of your life and that you will stop fearing what is going to happen in your future and you will start walking by faith and not by sight because fear will cause us to stop living spiritually because we are afraid to stop connecting emotionally because we are afraid. Fear will cause us to stop sacrificing and committing ourselves because we are afraid. And that, my friend, is the way that fear stops revival in a church. 
church becomes afraid, we'll not fulfill our purpose. And so as a church, the way that we look at all that's happening in the world must not be running and huddling in a corner and being afraid. Yes. We could, we could back up a little while and look at what happened around 2019, 2020 and the shutdowns and how the world responded to something. Uh, and it was all fear-driven. It was all fear-based. But I come to you this morning to tell you that, ladies and gentlemen, in of itself is an evil work of the enemy to try to cause fear in the hearts. You know what terrorism is? Terrorism is to cause people to live in fear because you don't know what you've done and you don't know when the attack may be. But terrorism is going to come out of nowhere. That's right. There are people, those of us, even here, that operate as terrorists. If we're not very careful, it is the enemy's attack that as soon as things start going good, a terrorist steps in and throws something at you and, and creates a surprise attack, much like what has just happened to our country of Israel. And, and it was a surprise attack when they thought things were going well. And out of nowhere, terrorism strikes the heart and hundreds of people have died and many are wounded and, and, and now in 30 hours they went from peace, kids going to school in peace to all of a sudden now they are in a country in war. This is, not, this is a parallel to what the enemy would like to do to you and I. He wants to cause us to live all the time in fear. Well it's a good day, yes, but I'm, I'm bound by fear. Come on, somebody needs to rebuke that fear this morning and cast it out and declare I refuse to live troubled see that you be not troubled unmistakably we're taught in the Bible again and again in both testaments that the just shall live by faith fear undermines faith fear sabotages faith fear smothers faith fear destroys faith all fear comes from Satan fear is not God will not dwell in the same house as fear. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's not fear. What is the reaction to fear? Some of you love to scare people. My wife gets a kick out of it. I walk in somewhere, walk out, she'll be standing around the corner. I step around, particularly if she's got one of one of uh, one of my daughter-in-laws there because they just they love it Kayla particularly and that she and Kayla be around the corner and I come walk and they jump out and make all kind of noise and what's the normal response The normal response to fear is to draw everything in It's to draw it's to pull inside yourself mm. Our response to fear is to not be open. It is to draw inside ourselves. But the Lord sent me this morning with a simple little one-point message to tell you that you are not to live in fear because fear will rob you of everything. It will destroy you of everything. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That means freedom. That means the lack of concern for terror. The enemy wants you to think that the next, the next thing, we've had so many diagnoses around here. Every time somebody coughs funny, I'm like, oh, Jesus. Any, 
anybody else understand what I'm talking about this week? We've had so many bad diagnoses and so many people sick and so much going on that I, I, I just, uh, Lord, they're, they're sick. I hope everything's okay there. And I hope everything, listen, the Lord doesn't want us to live with the enemy terrorizing us over health that God is in control of. Because if he can make a body to begin with, he can heal a body. And I come this morning to remind somebody that he can speak a word. And in a, in a moment of his word, he can heal. He can, he's still the healer. We must not live in fear. I've got to hurry this morning. Here's John's thoughts about the subject of fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out all fear. God doesn't want us to be fearful. He hates fear. And he won't let you into heaven with fear and unbelief in your life. He wants us to understand he is bigger than fear. Greater than fear. More powerful than anything that this earth can do. So if you can eradicate fear, he will replace it. Because as long as we are full of fear and doubt and unbelief, we cannot live in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Because perfect love casts out all fear. And that's the first fruit that needs to be established in our life. So instead of seeking God for gifts of, of healing and gifts of discernment, the first thing we need to do is say, God, let the fruit of the Spirit dwell in me. And perfect love cast out the fear out of our life. And everything in life starts getting a whole lot better when fear is gone. We must realize that fear is an opposition of God. Our fear is emphatically denying God's claim over all power in heaven and in earth. Everybody all right this morning? For those of us who understands the power in the name of Jesus, who have the Spirit of God within us, who have experienced His power and His might, when we are fearful and unbelieving, when we are without faith, it is not just difficult, but it is impossible to please the Lord. This isn't my words. This is the scripture. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. I heard someone say, as our awe of God grows, our fear of life will diminish. Think about that. No wonder the psalmist said, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? He said, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Yes, in these last days, we are given some signs of what is going to happen in the end time. That's not because you're in the church or out of the church. That's not because you're living right or not living right. The difference is, is whether you have God working on your side. That's why I want to be in the center of God's will so that God is working in my life because he said in his word he's working everything for our good I'll hurry you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but you have received the spirit of adoption see he didn't God didn't put fear in us if our lives are characterized by fear then we know 
that fear did not come from God. God is greater than any fear that can come into my life. If we will start developing this motto, this mindset, this is what you must remember. When all the enemy and all of destruction that hell can throw of us is coming against us, God is greater than all of it. This is how God said he wants us to live, not fearful, but be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Come on, somebody, God is greater than the mess that you have in your life. The psalmist said, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God stuck the dagger deeper in the heart of unfounded fears when he said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. In other words, whatever you're afraid of, I will feed you in the face of your enemy. When Isaiah wrote those exciting promises of time, and he said, The eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf would be unstopped, and the lame would leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb would sing. Then he spoke on some other issues too, and listen to what he said. Strengthen the weak hands and confirm the feeble needs. Same chapter. Say unto them which are of a fearful heart. Be strong and fear not. This isn't pastor's words. These are God's words to his people. And then he tells us the reason that he could promise us the protection from all the ills and evils of the world around us. The very next line, for a highway there shall be and a way that shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it and no lion shall be therein. In other words, the devil's not going to be there to prevent us. The devil's not going to be there to stop us, nor any ravenous beast shall go there upon it shall not be found there, but the redeemed of the Lord shall walk therein. Here's what I want you to understand. This is why our holiness unto the Lord is so very important, because it is a highway. It is an elevated highway. The reason they call it a highway is because it is a built, it is built up above the marshes, built up above the sediments of the world. It is a it is an elevated path. But the path of holiness is a high. Everybody say high. It is a highway. It's not a low way. It is a highway. It is a place of elevation where even none of the ravenous... Uh, ravenous uh, wolves, none of the, this is all typology, nothing the enemy has. The worst fearsome things the enemy can throw of us cannot get to the highway because even the vultures can't fly as high as holiness is in our life. There is a safety in our holiness. Our holiness unto God, our separation from the world. It's not just, well, this is a list of rules and a list of regulations. I refuse to write a list of rules and regulations. Holiness is not unto men. Our holiness is unto God. It is to be like Him and to please Him. He said, because there is a path that the lion cannot get to. Job said it this way. There is a path of the Lord that the eye hath not seen. That dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say unto the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for Thou, O Lord, has been a shelter for me. I got to close this morning. Show, come give me, come give them some hope this morning. Fear is not the will of God for your life. We cannot live in fear and operate in an element of faith. We must drive out fear by faith. That's the only way we can do it. Now, I want to take it one step further. 
one step further than the realm of faith. We must put faith into action. Fear fights fights against faith, but faith put into action will always win out over fear. Because here's the here is the here is the realm beyond faith. It is the realm of trust. Everybody say trust. The realm of trust is a dimension beyond faith. Faith says I believe it. Trust says I believe it enough that I will act on what I believe. If you're in this room this morning and fear has ruled you and guided you, I want to tell you this morning that if you'll take a step of faith, a step of faith is a, is, is a signal to the enemy that I, I'm beyond the dimension of faith now. I'm moving into the realm of trust. And if you will take that step of faith this morning, God will strengthen you. God will help you. He will be there with you. If you don't know the Lord and the power of the Holy Ghost today, I'm going to tell you I would not walk out the doors of this building without repenting of my sins, being baptized in Jesus' name. We have warm water ready, robes and towels. We'll be glad to baptize you this morning. If you have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, we have prayer prayer altar workers here this morning that will pray with you. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. I wouldn't leave here without it if I were you. This is the end time. This is the this is the, this is an this is an event that we must understand that things may we may have a, a few good days, but but we're on a we're on a, a one way ticket toward the end, and we need to make sure we're ready. Stand with me all over the room this morning. If you're not ready, I I, I ask you to, to get ready. The Lord is calling. He's speaking this morning to hearts. Through this message today, the Lord has spoken very clearly to some of you. He's given you clear direction. He wants you to see Him high and lifted up. All the other things in life, why don't you put behind you everything that's causing fear, bringing fear and unbelief into your life. Why don't you refute that right now in Jesus' name and declare, I'm putting that behind me. I'm putting it behind me in Jesus' name. I'm going to open these altars and I'm going to invite everybody to come forward. This is going to make it easier for those of you that have a difficult time stepping out. But I want you to come with them this morning. And we're going to pray together and we're going to seek God together. Because in these end times, I would not want to face them without knowing that I know that I know that I'm ready to meet the Lord. Join these that are stepping forward this morning. If you don't know the Lord, step out. Step with them. Walk to the front of this room. If you need to shore up your faith this morning, step to the front of this room. There's no reason to fear. No reason to fear. Hallelujah. Let's respond with prayer for a few moments.
your voice and sing it. He's my comfort. He's my comfort. Always holds me close. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. thank the Lord for what he has spoken into our spirits this morning. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Would you thank Pastor for preaching his heart to us today? You know, the significance of that scripture that he read into our hearing this morning, where Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in his train filled the temple. The significance of that train filling the temple was back in those days when one king would conquer another king. He would take part of that king's robe and they would cut it off and he would have that sewn into his own train so that that train of that conquering king would become a symbol of, of strength and power and security. So I'm here to tell you this morning that when we see the Lord high and lifted up, and the Bible says that his train fills the temple, that simply means there ever, hasn't ever been a battle that he's been involved in, that he has not come out victorious. So whatever it is you're facing, the Lord is going to bring you to victory. If you believe that, I want you to clap your hands and lift your voice. and Begin to give God praise in the house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What a great word that we heard this morning. Thank you for your response.